0: Hi, guys. This is Nick. I usually post as Star Hill. I just wanted to say that, you know, I've really been enjoying the show, and it uh, guys make me laugh every week. And I just wanted to call in and say I hope you guys all have a Merry Christmas or whatever else it is that you celebrate. And I'm looking forward to hearing you guys whenever your new episode drops. Have a good one.
1: dragon then we come can... And as we counted out our treasure, he insisted on attempting to seduce the barmaid, laughing as she cried and raised her fists. Then we all picked up our weapons, and as he died, he swore he would never game with us again. As long. Best game
0: ever. I say all this talk about twenty one or whatever reminds me of me uh, trying to remember my wife's birthday. Is it the twenty first? Is it the twenty third? I'm not oh, sure. That's a
2: that's a fairly big offense, by the way. <laughs> Forget your <laughs>
0: wife's birthday. Uh, well, it's worse because i cu- I couldn't remember it one year. So she constantly you know tries to trip me up with it by you know reminding me of the other day, whichever one it is, she, she will mess with me throughout that the course like of the, the year.
3: Yeah, see
4: that seems like it wouldn't work out in her favor. Years ago, I dated a girl who uh, her big her, her she thought she was funny, don't they all? Well, she would do this thing that I found really irritating, where she would try and convince you of a ridiculous fact. And once you finally relented and said, "Okay, yeah, I believe you," then she would make fun of you as to how gullible you are, and it was just very annoying. And so, is this <laughs> the one you went to jail for for beating?
0: I <laughs> say, did you hit her?
4: No, different girl. But, because I uh, think
0: you'd be justified. <laughs> but I,
4: I, you know, one day we're on the phone and she she pulls that 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 prank again, and I just I, I said, you know, you know what the difference is. And I stopped myself, and she's like, what? And I said, never mind. And she's like, what? And I said, well, you know what the difference is between you and a lying sack of shit? (laughs) And she's like, no, Aaron, why don't you tell me? What's the difference between me and a lying sack of shit? And I said, the sack. (laughs) 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 And
3: we weren't together after that. Best ex girlfriend story ever. Yeah, I wouldn't keep that in the show, Aaron. Why not? <laughs> just just Do I come off bad in that? I think you come off a little bad
0: in that. I would have that be the intro to the show personally. Like, if I had had that story, I would be proud to share that on the air.
3: <laughs> Therein lies a problem. <laughs>
2: With Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron.
0: I'm Polly. This is Wayne, and I woke up this week.
2: Woohoo! And this is Tim.
4: Hello, Uh, Tim. What's up? Well, you know, it's the Christmas season. I'm very excited. Yeah. Yeah, this is our last uh, episode before the big holiday. Ooh, very exciting.
3: But you know what else? You know what that means, though? A day off. Besides that? (laughs) (laughs) That means next week, I think, possibly, very likely. Is the funnies. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
2: that's a lot of effing work. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but you got a whole day off to, to work on it. Yay. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Tim.
2: Ho, ho, ho.
0: I have multiple projects for us to work on on my days off.
2: My plan is to just make sure I'm never the first one to nominate, and then I'll just ditto somebody that's else. That's right. You just dogpile. Uh,
0: no, 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 no. That was my plan last year. <laughs> and, the, and I stole that from Landreth.
3: <laughs> so I think, um, I don't know, I think it's going to be an interesting year Yeah, there's certainly been some changes
4: I think that uh, we'll see some some switch-ups in some you of know, the nominees and, and awardees
2: And if, if people actually listen to this podcast and have ideas for uh, what they would nominate And I know they don't know the categories, but they're smart fit people, they'll figure it out You can hashtag the funnies and let us know
0: Absolutely. Yes. I yeah, hope he convinced everyone else that the worst writer should be Grant Morrison. No, he didn't write enough this year for me to really complain about.
3: Or who's your favorite hero? Or your favorite villain? Or your favorite Funny Books host?
4: Now I'm going to have to go create some <laughs> Twitter accounts.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm excited. Are, are you guys doing some fun stuff
2: for
0: Christmas? I'm drinking. As I say, define fun. I'm going to be wishing I was drinking.
2: I'm gonna have the uh, traditional family pizza for Christmas. Oh, very exciting. Yes.
3: <laughs> yes, I, w- I will be spending Christmas with my family as well. I'm, uh, I'm. I'm looking forward to the additions. I hope to get to my Superman collection.
4: So, is every gift you open up? You're gonna be saying, "This better not
3: be clothes." <laughs> It's <laughs> better not have Batman on it.
0: <laughs> that is the difference. Once you get to you know, once you're grown up, you kind of get hopeful that maybe it is clothes, and maybe the clothes will have Batman on them.
3: That's right. And maybe they'll we, fit.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> I know last last year I got a uh, you know a Lego Batman shirt, and I was all excited about that.
4: <laughs> I just remember one Christmas, my niece was opening stuff up, and, and you know she she opened up several things that were like dresses and shirts and that kind of thing. And she's like five (laughs) and she just threw gritted teeth as she's opening up her next gift. This better not be clothes, (laughs) Like she was going to cut some people.
0: (laughs) Oh, the worst were socks when you'd open it up and it would be socks.
4: Yeah. My mother was all about giving socks.
0: Yes. I would get, I would get angry about that.
4: It's like she, she spends the entire year going, I think his feet are cold. You know,
0: (laughs) my parents would finally get the clue that the socks would be the most annoying thing, Uh so they would uh, hide gifts in with the socks.
4: Oh, you see, I don't think my mother ever did it to be annoying. I think she legitimately thought his feet are cold. (laughs) (laughs) Now you know, when I was a kid, the the big Christmas gift that I wanted one year was the uh, Death Star playset. You know, which I think came out what seventy nine or eighty. Mm-hmm. And I remember, uh, you know, it was selling out everywhere, and you, you just couldn't find it. And I had, we were at the the mall, and we were in uh, J C and they had one. Somebody had returned it. For whatever reason, and they had one in the store, but I mean it was going to go in minutes, and so you know I, I went over to the to the uh, cashier and I'm like, oh, here, hold this. My mom's going to be here in just a moment to pay for it, so I go and grab my mother and I said, here, you need to buy this, and she's like, I'm not buying that for you. That you know that you might get that for Christmas. And I'm like, you and I both know that you will not remember to come back here and get this for me. Buy it for me right now. Merry Christmas, Aaron. (laughs) 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 I mean, I did. Just you and I both know you will not remember to do this.
0: Oh, see, I. (laughs) I remember doing Christmas shopping and it was uh, my mom took me in right after right on Black Friday one day. And there's this huge crowd of people gathered around a VCR. And I I don't remember how old I was, but I was still fairly little. And she's like, OK, what I need you to do is get low to the ground, slip in under all those people and just grab one and come back out. I'll be waiting right here. <laughs> this you know, these days, you know, back then I didn't think anything of it. You tell a kid to do that now, he's liable to get tramp,
3: you know, yeah, trampled. No, no doubt.
0: But well, I
3: don't know, I, I, I'm trying to remember if I if there was something I l- wanted as a kid for Christmas that I had to have. probably Captain Power. I, I, I had different years where I loved different things and so that was the theme of every Christmas. It was just it was easy to buy for me as a kid because it's like one year was the Bionic 6. I don't know Aaron, do you remember the Bionic six? I remember the product I never had any of it. Yeah, I, I was into the Bionic Six and all the, you know, it was action figures and they were all diecast and it was the Bionic Woman and the Six Million Dollar Man and they formed a super team and so one year everything I got was the Bionic Six. Yeah. And then one year everything I got was Captain Power.
0: You know, that's. Just- Did you ever have the uh, the year where you asked for something specifically action figure wise and you got something from a completely different TV show and you had no idea what it is and you had to fake you know being excited for it?
3: Yeah, that's what extended family does.
4: Well, you know, my dad, you know, my, my, my mom and dad divorced back in '75, and and so you know you'd get these two separate Christmases. You know, so you'd get the Christmas that mom got you, and you get the Christmas that your dad got you. And mom's Christmas was always great because mom knew exactly what it was I was into. My father, not so much. And so you could ask for, you know, I, I want you know toy A,
0: and dad would get
4: you toy a knockoff <laughs> <Cool bots. laughs> exactly
0: i exactly. asked for ninja turtles i got a toxic avenger and my parents had no idea that it wasn't a ninja turtle
4: yeah it's like asking for like you said teenage mutant ninja turtles and you get you know radioactive adolescent hamsters
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know you got a toxic crusader toy is it, i i got those too
0: yeah i i wanted ninja turtles though yeah. I
3: remember when they thought it would be awesome to make an NC 17 movie a kid's cartoon. <laughs> I, think,
2: I think my big toy like that was the Super Nintendo. Uh, yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. I lobbied Congress to get the Super Nintendo. I got my Super Nintendo.
0: Oh, my big one that I actually got was the kit pedal car from from <laughs> Knight Rider. And when, then you 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 say, pre- talk.
2: when you
4: say pedal car,
0: I mean like a full, you get in it, you pedal in it, this car will move. Uh, okay, And it, it had uh, buttons on it you would press and it would talk. Nice. Oh, Hello, toy,
2: My toy hunter radar is going off. It's like, does he still have that damn thing? <laughs> no, I don't
3: <laughs> still have that. Yeah, Tim's going to show up at your door and start going through your attic.
0: Yeah. It I that think would th- be pretty big and heavy to put it in an attic because it was something you rode around it. I think the toys that I hated the most, though, were anything
4: that required batteries. Because my parents were awful in keeping batteries in the house.
2: No vibrator for Aaron. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> See, I never Aww. had that problem. My dad was obsessed with batteries, so when, when <laughs> it came time, it didn't even we would even be at other people's houses and he'd pull out boxes of batteries. Oh, Wayne. Oh, Wayne.
3: <laughs> you don't follow up Tim's comment with my dad had batteries all the time. <laughs> he uh, I just did carried my... batteries around with him in case of emergency.
0: I did leave myself open to that one, didn't I?
2: So <laughs> did your dad. Hey, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, well. I ruined Christmas, Aaron. How do you like <laughs> me now?
4: Yeah, I, you know,
2: I, I, I love you, Tim. I love you, Tim. Yes.
4: It's weird. There are. Uh, you know, presents under the tree right now, I have no idea what my wife got me this year. And normally, I, I usually, you know, you can you can kind of figure it out, you know, based on conversations, what it is she's had in her head. But she's played it pretty coy cool this year. I have no idea what's under the tree.
2: You, you yeah. know what she got you, Aaron. She got you two weeks worth of Honeydew list.
4: Oh, man. The, you know, that is what I have been doing all this week. I have, I have been
0: Mr. Honeydew, not the melon. I know one or two things I've gotten. Uh my wife broke down and already gave me one thing. She is uh she has a lot of crochet work, and a lot of uh like, you know, she actually sells some of her crochet work and she crocheted me a dalek from Doctor Who. Oh, that's cool. This thing is awesome because it's a custom homemade crocheted dalek. Mm-hmm. Huh.
4: And does it does does it ever say exterminate?
0: No, but that's the ringtone on my phone, so. <laughs> I'd imagine uh, that would be rather annoying to people sitting around. Well, the restaurant. funny thing—the funny thing is, no one at work is a Doctor Who fan. No one knows what that is when it goes off, so everyone's just looking at me like, "What is that?" Like, it's a Dalek, <laughs> and I get no the most clueless looks.
2: It's the same look I'm giving you right
0: now, <laughs> <laughs> as I look at my uh, TARDIS dice bag that she also crocheted for me. Sounds. Very talented. Yeah, she's gotten pretty good at it. Her uh, Cthulhu's sell like crazy. Crocheted Cthulhu. Crocheted Chibi Cthulhus. Hmm. They're they're cute little Cthulhus. People seem to love them.
4: <laughs> they're cute little elder gods. <laughs> yeah. Anyone <laughs> that, that bought Mikey Mason's.
0: <laughs> anyone that bought Mikey Mason's CD that uh, we've been playing all these songs from. There's a picture of one of her crocheted Cthulhus in the inside of the. Because he he was one of the first ones to buy one. Very hmm. hmm. right nice. <laughs> So speaking of purchases I need to make. Sir. So,
3: Comixology. Did you guys see this week that Comicsology Submit began its private beta – well, no, the private beta results were released this week? Yep, yep. So uh, for those of you who don't remember, Comixology Submit is Comixology's self-publishing, essentially, brand, where you know you can go and you can self basically self-publish your digital comics um, through Comixology. You can't give them away for free. You have to have at least a 99-cent price point. Um which I think works against some of these books. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I think the first, I would say it looks like 14 titles were released this week. Some of them I've actually seen before. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Books like Robot 13,
0: Too Much Coffee Man. Um, yes. I know those have been previously yeah. released. Evil Inc. is a webcomic. This is just a collection of his webcomic.
3: But there are some interesting titles on here. You know, at various price points, uh, ranging from 99 cents to. Nine ninety nine for a Hatter M book. And I'd imagine Hatter M, that's a Frank Bedore's uh, Looking Glass Wars. So that'll make its money. There's a big fan base for that. But I don't know, some interesting titles is on here, and I think it's a good opportunity. Well, one of the things that I just
4: thought was ridiculous, though, is that there's a book in here called Quandary, which is 11 pages for $0.99. Cents. And, you know, I, I just – I think that is ridiculous.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I do think that, uh, you know, you, you, you need to price – to your book and yeah. I mean I know you have to have at least 99 cents then at least have a 22
4: page comic book
3: Yeah, you need if you need
4: to, to find some additional content to put in there because I'm just not going to spend 99 cents on 11 pages on a guy I don't know who he is and you only get one panel one panel not a page one panel a preview of that book
3: Well any more than that and you'd be getting a Yeah, kind of a book. significant piece <laughs> of the book for free, but
4: you know I, uh, I, I, I have to say, uh, looking at a lot of these books, I was pretty underwhelmed.
3: I mean, I think some of them have interesting concepts. I mean, unfortunately, when you self-publish, you know, unless you have a great writer and artist team, your book is going to look a little amateurish and it's going to be overshadowed. And so charging more than 99 cents, I'm really going to hesitate to buy an amateurish looking book. Right. Um like, and I'm not going to name the names because, unfortunately, you know, I don't want to call anybody yeah, sure. out. But I do think I, I, I hope I, I'm excited about the possibilities, and we talked about you know how excited we were and some ideas we had for projects. I think it could be a good thing. Um, it, I I wish they would do a little more on the advertising of it. I didn't even realize it went live until I was scrolling through the sales right and saw the little banner
2: for it.
0: I only realized it went live because I'm on their press list and
2: didn't realize you guys weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Paul wasn't, doesn't want to name names because he wants to behave like a gentleman on the internet.
3: I'm a nice guy. Only on the internet though. In real life, I'm a bastard.
0: But I'm sure Larry'sComics.net is a nice guy in person. He's just a bastard on the internet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, I'm sure. <laughs> so a couple weeks ago, uh, Mark Wade was on the Word Balloon podcast, and he was talked. You know, they talked to him about Marvel Comics, and um, they spent a lot of time. Mark Wade is a big. Proponents of digital, um, and I, if you don't know that by now, I, I would be shocked. You'd be living under a rock, uh, because Mark Wade is—he's um, kind of the guy who wrote. I think he's written all the Infinite comics from Marvel. Yes, at this point, um, he also has uh, MarkWade.com, which gives a which has free uh, comics, multiple comics, uh, including Insufferable, which we'll talk about later on in the show because it was released to Comixology this week. So Mark Wade, they they talk about digital and he mentioned larry doherty who owns uh, a comic store larry's comics
4: and mark and larry have have been at it before Correct. you know uh larry is larry strongly opposes digital comics in any way shape or form um he has taken marvel to task for their free digital downloads saying that marvel is trying to steal the direct market for themselves and cut the retail stores out by having a. Uh, uh, digital codes in the comics, you know, to, to try and leech those guys over to, you know, the digital uh space. He has taken Mark Wade to task several times, particularly when, when Mark announced that he was selling his his uh print collection to fund Thrillbent and Mark dot
3: com. Thrillbent, that's the name of his yes. digital studio. Thank you for that. So uh Mark Wade had some comments specifically about Larry on Word Balloon on the Word Balloon podcast. Um so Aaron, why don't you in your best Mark Wade voice <laughs> Time for
2: another edition of Twitter Peace Theater.
4: Larry's
3: an opinionated
4: man. Larry goes on Twitter under the hashtag comics market. I salute Larry's verve and energy towards the comic market. Larry likes to say things just to piss people off. Larry likes to say things that stir the pot, and he loves coming after me on Twitter, how I'm an absolute sworn enemy of print, and this week, in particular, picked his morning wrong picked his moment wrong. Make no mistake, fellow retailers. Mark Wade would give up print in a heartbeat if I could. Of all the weeks to say this, this is the week in which Daredevil and Hulk and Rocketeer and Steed and Mrs. Peel come out. I don't think I've had four comics out any week ever. Clearly, I like print. So
3: Larry of Larry's Comics took to Twitter to uh, to voice his um, disagreement with Mark Wade's comic comments. Uh, sorry, and so uh, yeah, so in the following conversation, Wayne playing larry aaron will be uh continuing his role as mark wade
0: playing a word balloons podcast in the shop no doubt at mark wade is a cunt hashtag comic market
4: uh merry christmas to you too larry what set you off this time
0: your mouthy podcast
4: <clears throat> more specific please I'm, I'm not being disingenuous i really don't remember what i said to set you off this much
0: You were absolutely a dink towards me and my small business and a word balloons podcast. Hashtag comic market. In what way? It sucks when the guy that has never written a shitty prompt comic decides to champion digital. Hashtag comic market.
4: I have written hundreds of lame comics. How is championing digital hurting your store when I still write three to four comics a month?
0: You are just waiting for digital revenue to catch print so you can abandon the DM. Admit it, traitor. It's not an either or,
4: Larry. If we can both make money on my Marvel books, why would I abandon them?
0: Why must 90% of your promotional efforts be directed towards 10% of your income? Honestly,
4: Larry, that whole effing podcast was done during a four-hour store signing. Tell me again I don't support the DM. You
0: actually signed at a primitive pop culture paper comic shop? God bless you, sir, for slumming.
4: Don't be a dick, Larry. I've done literally hundreds of store signings in
0: my uh, career and will continue to do so don't be a dink. Spend equal promotion effort digital versus print. Then there's no issue.
4: This is where I get angry, Larry. I've been doing this 25 years. I've given literally thousands of hours to DM promotion, more than almost anyone my age. 25 years of store signings, DM promo, Larry, and I'll continue. Sorry, that's not enough for
0: you. We've both been in the direct market 25 plus years why are we both angry
4: because you're terrified of change and i'm not search me tell me some more how i don't do enough for you
0: remember mark wade you went on a podcast mouthing off about me and my small business you started it
3: at this point josh Fialkov, the uh, writer of DT's eye vampire joined in and he said you forgot the part how you also write compulsive addicting mainstream comics that draw in new readers
0: seriously sir pick pile on me i have done nothing but support you
4: larry josh didn't attack you in the least not in the least do not lash out at my friends
3: in paranoid rage and, and i i really like and respect both of you larry you've constantly been a cheerleader for great comics and have built a wellspring of shops with a passion for the future i just wish you two would stop fighting can't we all just get along in this specific
4: case, no. Not a chance in hell. It enrages me to be told that after 25
3: years I'm a traitor? Rephrase Can't we all just pretend to get
0: along? Ha. Never said Josh Fink attacked me. Nice try, said Pigpile. He wants to be your pal. God bless you, Mark Wade. I'm sure that selling your collection to start a Digital Platform had me and my family in mind. Pig pile
4: equals dog pile equals join in the offensive. Larry, if all DM owners were like you,
3: I would abandon you now. Uh, I, I will play Cornelius Stuyvesant. Out of curiosity, as a 100% digital comics consumer, what could your print shop offer me that I don't get now? Fear of tomorrow, snark, and the occasional
4: borderline racist comment.
0: Walk the walk. You tried to abandon print. You failed with your multiple work for hire Eisner's Jump. No racist comment here, sir. Brilliant pulling that card out, though.
4: And of course, uh, you know, what what Mark's uh, referring to there is several months ago, Larry was all off on uh, the uh, black character of Miles in Ultimate Spider-Man and uh, had made some uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken comments and, uh, you know, was really taken to task pretty
0: hard about that. A few years ago, prepared to abandon print. Things didn't work out for him. And now he's back.
3: Well, then, so did I. I publish Tumor digitally, only with hardcover to follow. And ultimately, it's sold oh, brilliantly. Oh, I see. This is
4: just you screaming for attention and lying to get it. It's fun for you to wind me up. Congrats.
0: Tim will that... be playing the role of Blastoff Comics.
2: What's that, Mark? I couldn't hear you over all these copies of Daredevil and Hulk we're selling.
0: Slurp. Maybe Mark will do a signing at your dump. I guess. I, I guess a better shop in the L.A. area, though.
4: There is no better shop in the L.A. area, Larry. Bullies ought to pick fights they can win.
0: I doubt there are many shops in New England that can keep pace with my level of support. And I
4: doubt there are many 25-plus-year vets who can keep pace with mine. Call some more stores dumps, sight unseen, Larry. Go. I believe Mark Wade owes Larry a kidney as well.
0: Actually, a penis transplant.
4: Larry, you've got more than enough dick to go around.
0: Tell that to my wife. Oh, now it's hate. Like you hate the fact that you sold your print comics to fund your digital whims.
4: You're clinically insane, but you love spreading the lies.
0: Or do you hate that you didn't sober up that time you made a jackass out of yourself on a panel?
4: That time? I make a jackass out of myself on panels six times a year minimum.
0: Google Mark Wade and drunk. I'm a friend to my brother retailers. If attacked unseen, however, I am allowed to respond in kind.
4: According to you, sticking to digital is what makes me a traitor to the medium and the industry.
0: You took a shot to leave print and failed. I'm thrilled because you're an industry legend.
4: I never said I was leaving print, nor have I failed. Both are out-and-out lies, Larry. You're beneath contempt.
0: So what possessed you to spew about my shop on Word Balloon Podcast this week? You had to know that I'd spew back. Yeah,
4: I guess I figured you would. I just didn't know you'd stoop to spreading lies. You never failed to disappoint,
0: though. How ate you comfortably calling me a liar? I'm simply responding to your actions. Okay, I'll play by your rules. That shop libeled me. Fair is fair, champ.
4: Also, at this point, I'm not sure it's possible to libel you.
0: Seriously, that speaks volumes.
3: That concludes this week's portion of Twitter Peace Theater. Um, I'm sure the conversation continued... And I'm sure it's. I'm sure the uh, the animosity will continue here. You
0: know, I love all of Larry's uh, you know typos in there, and just thinking about what Aaron's going to have to do to edit as I stumble over his typos.
4: <laughs> you know, uh, I I I have hope though that Mark Wade and Larry conceal the breach because something happened this week that I, I think is pretty amazing. Rob Liefeld and Scott Snyder made up. I saw that. And wow. I, I I I thought I was being trolled or something but no I, it's actually true they both tweeted about it that uh you know they they both came together and uh mended their fences and and now they're all uh you know lovers again so
0: well I, I, I think halfway through they almost came together in this fight once they start making penis jokes that's the first step to reconciliation <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of reconciliation, we're going to do this a little out of order because we should probably talk about how Gail Simone.
2: No, no, we're not. I have something to say about this. Oh God, oh. you're trying to cut me off, Paul. You jackass. <laughs> as, as as the residential print uh, Bible thumper on uh-huh. this podcast, yes. If I was a was a uh, a consumer at Larry's uh, comic store, whatever it's called, what's the name of his comic store? Anybody know? Larry's. Comics. I it's Larry's Comics. Oh, that's fucking original. All right. <laughs> you know, if I was a consumer at Larry's comic store, I would personally buy an iPad, go completely digital, and every e- and every week email him an estimate of how much I've spent digitally because that guy is a douchebag. Wow. Period. Well, I would I, give up print just to stick it to him, and I would send I, him an email every single week telling him how much money he could have had if he wasn't such an ass.
0: I would go ahead and say dick. Yeah, I would go in and say, you know, hey Larry, wow, you got Mark Wade's attention again. That is so cool because I'm a big Mark Wade fan.
4: Well, you know, I, Tim, honestly, I, I, that wasn't how I thought you'd fall on that uh, on that debate.
0: Me either, what? honestly.
2: No, uh, well, I, you know, if people decide to spend their own money to try something new, why is that guy whining? Yeah, yeah,
4: I, I have to say it. Uh, it surprised me when Larry was so offended that Mark was selling his print collection. You know, and you know, I I guess I I can see how you'd feel threatened if you know you make a whole lot of money, you know, selling back issue comics, and you know, here's this guy with, uh, from all accounts, an amazing collection selling it all off to
0: fund a digital initiative, something that cuts your, your business, you know, out. Um, Come on, Aaron. This is a comic shop owner. He doesn't make a ton of money selling back issues. He probably is eating ramen noodles at home, barely making <laughs> his rent. Well, yeah, my guess
4: is that Larry is is one of those top tier comic shops that and he uh, lives at
2: home with his mother.
4: <laughs> he said he had a wife.
2: Oh, well, she, she lives, lives there, there too. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> I mean, clearly she's not impressed with his penis size, but you know, uh,
2: you know. He... Well, what isn't there to love about that guy? Apparently.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm. I'm it's an interesting conversation, and uh, i I think you're. I think there are some store owners that are like, "Yes, thank you for 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 taking this guy to task," and then I think there are guys like um, us who you know are like, "Well, you know, Mark Wade's just trying something."
3: You know. Yeah, you know what? I completely disagree with Larry's comics, and I would be shocked if anyone actually supported him. I really would be because I don't think he has a good point. I, I do think Mark Wade has actually. Paul. Um, yes. We lost you. Oh. I was going to say, I actually feel that Mark Wade has increased his print output. Oh yeah. Lately. Um. You know. Yes. He, he has he has not written his Boom books. You know. He, he has, his run with Boom is over, but he's taken on more Marvel books. Mm-hmm. He's taken on the Rocketeer. He's taken on well. He he does still write Steed and Mrs. Peel for Boom. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he's not. It's not like he went full digital. Yeah. You know. I I feel like you know that that is unfounded those accusations. You know what, Paul, when you say full digital, all I hear is
4: ass to mouth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, here's here's the thing. I mean, if Mark Wade never wrote another book again uh-huh. in print, you should thank him for all the work he's done. Absolutely. You should just be like, I-, I understand. Thanks for your time. You don't be a douche.
3: Yeah. I mean, if you want to take it out on Rob Liefeld,
0: OK. Feel well,
2: not Mark. <laughs> him about the head, you know,
0: he's going to fall you know, over maybe- he's got the little feet. Maybe one of us should take it out of Rob Liefeld, because it seems like if you want to get any spotlight right now on Twitter, you just have to start a feud with someone. So one of us needs to bite that bullet and just pick someone and start a feud.
2: I try uh, to argue I'm with our it. listeners all the time.
0: I'm on that it. That's not as good.
2: Point the cannon of fire, Aaron. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Mars is a jerk. hey
3: hey (laughs) we can't burn our only wrong guy guy. sorry sorry (laughs) well let's talk about burying the hatchet a little
0: bit um we found out this week that twitter is good for more than just you know feuds yeah twitter's good for more than just losing your job you can also (laughs) get it
3: back um Gail Simone was let go from Batgirl. And, uh, you know, she went on Twitter. She was very cordial about it. She did not complain. She just said, you know, hey, got a phone call today. I am not the Batgirl writer anymore. And uh, a couple days later, Gail Simone has announced that she is the new writer of Batgirl. (laughs) So um, I guess, you know, there will be a couple of fill in issues by the guy Ray Fox. Mm -hmm. Uh, And after that, Gail Simone will be back on the title.
0: Yeah, if I were her, I would have been pissed over the whole thing because she originally found out because other people were tweeting about, you know, other creators were tweeting about their runs on uh, Batgirl and their being new creative team. And she's like, I don't know of anything about this. And then she got a phone call that she was being fired.
4: She didn't get a phone call, she
0: got an email. She got an email. That's right. She got an email that she was being fired. Yeah. And she's like, oh, apparently I'm wrong. I am fired. And, you know, I have to say, I was. I gave DC the benefit of the doubt on this whole uh, you know, not having any female creators. But if they would have taken their most popular female creator, arguably one of the biggest names they have over in the company, on a book that is selling incredibly well and constantly gets good reviews and just dropped her, I would have to start questioning if maybe all of the claims of DC being sexist really has a lot of merit to it know, I, I think that we're missing something here, and I, it's it's a piece we will never
3: get. Which is why was she let go in the first place? Yeah, I don't think you'll get to see it until
4: uh, somebody writes a tell-all book. Because yeah, it seems weird. It seems yeah. weird to, to have it, if you didn't know that uh, it was going to be a big deal. You know, in the in the marketplace, letting Gail Simone go like that, you're an idiot.
0: Yeah, because it wasn't sales. Her book is selling
4: strongly, and she's a fan favorite. I mean, people love Gail Simone, and you know, to to think that you're going to cut her loose in such a uh, you know poor style and not be a big damn deal, well, that's just naive. So something happened, and I don't know if it was just some chucklehead not clearing things through somebody else, uh, you know. And and, I mean, I just kind of imagine you know Dan DeDio going, "You did what?" What did you do? You know, I'm going to have to talk about this at conventions in January, asshole.
5: (laughs) Somebody give me Slagman
4: on the phone. Yeah. God damn it. (laughs) Yeah. I just I just imagine that that conversation didn't go down too well.
3: Yeah. I can't help but wonder if this is all a person, uh, not a person, uh, um, a publicity stunt to mean something as in that background may be changing i don't think so like you know, someone is off of batgirl but now there's a new batgirl and she's there's the new writer batgirl on batgirl. Ta- there's a new batgirl in town yeah like maybe i don't know something happens to barbara gordon at the end of death of the family i don't know i mean it, it just seems so odd that you know there, there's no word out of dc and again we're not going to get it um, you know unless it really was a publicity stunt we're not going to get a true reason but it's very interesting that it was just i mean literally a couple of days and you know no offense to stephanie brown fans but uh, your waffles didn't do dick.
0: But, um, <laughs> no, they did.
3: <laughs> but
2: apparently, a couple of tweets uh, got Gail Simone her job back. You know what, Aaron? If I could wake up on Christmas morning and get Cassandra Cain Batman under the tree as in a comic form, I'd be happy.
0: I would welcome. You know, Tim, Cain, I, th- th- I think what they would do instead is they'll give, if this Batgirl goes away, they'll give us some brand new Batgirl to just put a thumb in both of our eyes. I don't want to be lumped in with the
2: Stephanie Brown lovers, Wayne.
0: But don't don't you think we could unite against the new Batgirl, whoever it would be?
2: Well, I'm not buying this Batgirl.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is true. So, Wayne, did you uh, did you end up going to Batman Live when it was in town? I did. I had a ball at this thing. It was, uh, yeah, it was a family show. So I'll be the first to admit it was kind of corny at times. It was a little bit cheesy. I put out some uh, some pictures. I don't know if I put them on Twitter or not, but uh, outside before going into the actually into the arena, there were life size Lego statues of Batman, Robin and Joker. And these things looked awesome. They looked very realistic, not like Lego, like Lego Batman video game or anything. These were full human sized Lego statues that just looked amazing. So the show itself, like I said, was kind of corny. They had a lot of wire work going, and the, uh, the wire work fight between Batman and Catwoman wasn't so good. But just seeing Batman glide onto the stage was, you know, that was incredible. But then once he's on stage, you know, put his arm up, the sound for the grappling hook, and seeing him shoot up into the rafters, that's something that I will, I'll take with me for a long time. Just being able to see a Batman live in person grapple up into the rafters was, uh, yeah, I was geeking out the entire show. There was so much to like, even though it was a family-friendly show, and it couldn't get too dark. Even you know, It was a Joker story. It was the death of Dick Grayson's parents, and uh, the moment they died, about half of the arena broke out crying because there's a bunch of kids there. So there, his parents fall and land, and they're dead, and all these kids just immediately start, wah! And it just echoes around the arena no one seemed to care when bruce wayne's parents were shot but (laughs) when dick grayson's fell that that got him going well martha wayne had it coming yeah the screen in the back because they did a lot of the setting stuff like instead of changing the uh the background prop they had a big screen that was shaped like the bat symbol yeah and everything on the uh, the screen would change. So they would like they'd bring the Batmobile out. They'd jump in the Batmobile. It would drive backstage, and the point that it went backstage, it would transfer up to the screen, and you'd see video of the Batmobile driving around Gotham City streets until it got to its location. So they had a lot of interesting little tricks like that. A lot of rope work, you know, some uh, various stunts and.
4: So what was, the, what was the crowd like? Was it sold out?
0: That was actually the one thing I was uh, really disappointed by is the crowd was not packed at all. Yeah, I, I think for a town like St. Louis, I don't think they needed to do three days worth of shows with three shows each day. Yeah, I think that was their big problem is that they just had too many showings for a town like this. this. This isn't New York. We can't pack arenas like that.
4: Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I've heard
0: yeah. good things about it. It's, it was a lot of fun. It was, yeah, it was cheesy because it was a family show. If uh, if anyone's listening, that's and it's coming to your town, you have kids, definitely take them to this because they will have a ball at it.
3: Well, no new dates have been announced. Uh, they, in fact, they canceled everything after the Dallas dates. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I'd heard that.
3: So it, it wasn't quite as dark as a uh, death of the family, huh? <laughs> there was no faceless joker in it well i understand that that's what
4: they're going to do next next time around is they're going to do the whole death of the family and you know show uh you know
3: joker's face being sliced off maybe they'll start it off with killing joke and uh the barbara gordon shooting with the the pictures and oh all yeah that. that'd be great yeah, that'd be great and I then would go come, see that <laughs> they, I, I hear they've hired gail simone to write it
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh i heard they fired her did they hire her back on
3: <laughs> check her twitter feed find out So, speaking of Death of the Family, we had two tie-in books this week, Red Hood and the Outlaws and Nightwing number 15. Now, uh, Wayne, I know you are not a Red Hood and the Outlaws fan, but I know you picked up this week's issue. What would you think?
0: You know, I liked about half of it. I loved everything with Red Hood and Joker, and everything with Starfire still makes me angry. So, there's no way I could buy this book on a regular basis, but I am going to keep buying it through this Joker story. Yeah, I'm not. (laughs) <laughs> I think I'm I, you know
3: I picked it up and I just I thought it was a, a really poorly written issue. I just didn't see much to really care about in it, you know. And it, it could be that I was a little lost cuz I haven't been following the book, but I just the the way that the two stories tied in, the characterizations, I mean, none of it made sense. I mean, Jason Todd, Robin, mind you, who who was Robin and trained by Batman, is running and trips over something on the floor. And I'm like seriously (laughs) i mean you don't see batman running down a hallway and tripping over something in plain view
0: see i was also annoyed by the that whole backstory that we got before in the uh the zero issue that i think none of us like the idea that joker had you know planned out jason todd's whole life they're pretty much saying that yeah that's completely what happened because joker keeps making mention to that in here and
3: He keeps calling him son and my boy. And
0: And I hated that backup concept. I just, I really hated that idea. And that kind of bothered me as I'm reading through this is this pretty much screams that, yeah, that is what happened. that Joker had really planned, you know, Jason Todd's life the whole time. And I, I'm not cool with that. I don't like that story. I think that's stupid.
3: Yeah. I just think it's a very, I think it's a poorly written book and that's just, I just had a hard time getting into it. I felt it was disjointed. You know, I I could care less about Starfire and um, Arsenal. And you're right. I mean, the the part of the book that at least held my interest enough to finish the book was the Jason Todd stuff. But even then, I thought that was poorly written, and I I don't like like you said the Joker stuff. As far as his, you know, that Joker was responsible for his life. Um, I thought it was very interesting the way it ended. In that, um, you know, Jason Todd falls into a trap, and Tim Drake's already there.
0: Yeah. And uh, this kind of leads into the to Nightwing, the other book that uh, I've been really looking forward to this one because they've they kept saying that there has been no definitive Nightwing Joker story. So I wanted to see what the story would be. And it suffers from a lot of what you had mentioned with Red Hood of I'm not I haven't been reading this book, so I have no idea what's going on. But I think it did a much better job of telling its story than Red Hood did.
3: Yeah, um, and you know Tim read Nightwing with us, and I have been reading Nightwing since the beginning. So the characters, a couple of the characters in the book actually die, um, characters who have been there since the beginning of the series. So I, I, I was very surprised about that. It, it, the the death of the family storyline has hit Nightwing pretty big in this issue.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the things I was missing is I didn't get any impact from their death at all because I didn't know who these characters were, but I thought it was still told well.
2: I had, a, I had a feeling that, yeah, the, the, there was more impact than I knew just from reading this one issue. I had a feeling that these were people that had been there since issue one. And I think that, that that's what they were trying to do to amp up this uh, this Nightwing Joker story. I am not sure it's going to be what they want it to be, though. Just having read Batman, which is it's just incredible. I I don't know what they're going to do with with the Nightwing Joker angle.
3: Yeah, the problem with all of these books
2: is that you know they're
3: setting up this great Joker, you know Tim Drake Joker Dick Grayson Joker Barbara Gordon storyline right this big confrontation. But ultimately we know he's Batman's villain. It's going to be resolved by Batman. So I you know I I don't know I mean they're setting up this conflict that essentially is going to go unfulfilled, and that's how I felt about Nightwing. Um, you know, there's some great stuff. And, you know, Joker really messes up everything that Nightwing has been working hard to to do. But ultimately, Nightwing's not going to be the one to, you know, to stop the Joker. So I'm, I'm wondering how they would how they're going to resolve these plot lines.
0: Yeah, I do have to say that they really caught my interest with some of the things happening in this book. Like I said, I haven't been following this at all, but there's a uh, a scene where he's kissing someone and, it you know, it turns out that it's Zuko's daughter. The man who's responsible for his parents' death. And it's like, yep. when I read that page, it's like, I want to know how it got to this. I'm very guess, interested in what's been going on in Nightwing now. I got to say, Nightwing is a damn good book. Uh, it started off a little rough, but after that
3: initial storyline, it really picked up. You know, Dick Grayson has been working to basically revitalize Haley's circus as a permanent fixture in Gotham City. And, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed yeah He started a relationship with um, Tony Zuko's daughter, who she's a, a savvy businesswoman. You know, so he's conflicted about that. And you see some of that in this issue. It's a, uh, I think it's, I, I like how it, I think I pretty much went back into it around Court of Owls. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and how the way the books, the, the it ties in a lot with the stuff going on in Batman, especially the Court of Owls stuff.
0: The other thing that surprised me is all this technology he's using. His suit's got a lot of gadgets on it. Yeah. Like he's, he's doing chemical, you know, chemical analysis on things and has a needle sticking out of his finger at one point to do that and yeah i i was kind of surprised by all that i haven't seen that in a bat book other than i think uh one of the batman books was doing that but none of the other tie-in books have been doing anything like that
3: yeah i mean since i lost tim drake in the new 52 it's nice that i got dick grayson back (laughs) i mean that's kind of how i feel about it so tim i mean you you enjoyed nightwing 15 didn't Uh
2: It was it was good. It was a good book. I,
3: I really continuing? I really
2: dug the pencils. Or the, the who does that? Is it Eddie Barrows? Eddie Barrows. I, Eddie Barrows? Mm-hmm. I, I don't recognize his work before. He used but. to be
3: on Teen Titans,
0: uh, pre New Fifty Two. During oh, some of the maybe Jeff Johns era. That's why era. he looks
2: a little familiar. Yeah, he's really good. Really good art.
0: Yeah, I really like. And I don't want to spoil this for people who are actually reading Nightwing, but the uh, the character he's fighting at the end with uh, with the two swords. I really like the the art on that character. Yeah, and that's a bit
3: you know it's it's funny because anyone who doesn't read the book doesn't realize how big of a a reveal that is because that, that was a pretty big reveal as well as the death at the beginning of the book that was a pretty big deal too. Um, so it, it's like I said, it definitely does make some changes to the Nightwing book that have been there since the beginning. Now I will say the art on Nightwing, the Eddie Barrows art, and the way he draws the Joker. I like a lot better than I liked the art on Red Hood and the Outlaws. I thought Red Hood and the Outlaws the art was pretty poor, actually. I don't know, you know when
0: you agree. Uh, I didn't didn't really notice it to be honest. I was too busy really seething that uh, of what they've made you know Starfire into. <laughs> Tim, what I flipped, were you gonna-
2: well, when I flipped through it, I thought the art on Red
3: Hood looked really good too. Really, I just I, maybe I just I really didn't like the way he drew the Joker.
2: Mm. But, well. We can't speak to that. Yeah. Let me let's talk about a guy who can draw some art, though. Yes, Stewart. I'm on all new X-Men.
4: Yeah, he is pretty awesome, isn't he? Well,
2: I he can he can I, I would buy I would be buying Emma Frost book with him drawing it. all Yeah. Day.
0: Well, I know he's been great on the first three issues, but once again, I didn't get this issue as it came <laughs> out. <sighs> I'm sorry.
2: So, uh, all new X-Men. All-New X-Men continues to... in my opinion, be the crown jewel of the Marvel now universe.
4: Well, you know, I will say that, you know, it, it's surprising how much all new X-Men that we have gotten, uh, in the last several weeks. Cause I mean, it seems like, you know, we started the podcast this morning and how you much
0: know, all new X-Men you've got the past several weeks.
4: Well, you know, we started the podcast this morning and issue four came out on Wednesday. And it seems like issue five is already out.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it,
4: they are, they are shipping these books crazy fast. a it it amazes me that um Stuart Amonin, you know, with the lead time that he was provided, that he was able to get so far along in these books for them to be able to release them so fast. And you know, it's kind of the way that you would expect event books to be done. You yeah. know, like you know, you Well
3: the, they were, Fear itself. The only event book that was actually shipped on time for its entire run yeah. was by Stuart Amonin. You know, unfortunately it sucked, but yeah.
0: Not I mean, art. Maybe the art was, the art was maybe beautiful. some other books should take note of this. Uncanny Avengers, I'm looking at you.
3: Yeah, no, I, I think the problem with Uncanny oh,
0: Avengers. Oh no, is I'm not because you're not being released.
3: Mm-hmm. I think there are more problems than just art with Uncanny <laughs> Avengers, but uh, not with this book. This book, I think, is hitting firing on all cylinders. Yeah.
4: Now, did any of you guys look at the uh, augmented reader on this book? Nope. No. Okay, so uh, there were two that 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 I looked at. And uh, one of them has, you know, the X-Men line editor, Nick Lowe, talking about uh, how mutants can't be affected by their own mutant power. So, you know, if if Scott was to uh, shoot his hand with his his optic blasts, it wouldn't hurt his hand because he can't hurt himself with his own, you know, what? mutant power. That shit. That's what, what he said. But – so the question comes: How can Cyclops, how can past Cyclops versus present Cyclops fight each other and hurt each other? And the reason being is that current Cyclops was changed by the Phoenix Force, and thus the two of them are no longer genetically the same. And then the other augmented reader piece, and this is the part that, that I really enjoyed. You know, there there is a uh, a scene where Kitty is trying to get Reed Richards on the phone, and he's not picking up. And so instead of doing like the little you know box that says you know hey Marvel fans check out the pages of Fantastic Four and FF to find out what reads up to you actually had the editor from the Fantastic Four books talking about
3: what's going on in the FF books and I really thought that was a nice use of the technology. Yeah, would be interesting if the, is if they showed a couple of panels from the F, from the Fantastic Four book. And I said agree. you know want to read more. Yeah, and then no. you know buy this book with a link to it. Completely agree.
2: But so, Tim, tell me what you thought about this book. Uh, amazing art, uh, really, really good dialogue, and I, I'm I'm loving every minute of this thing. The I, I when I first read this concept about the uh, the 1960s X-Men coming to uh, present day, I thought it was stupid. This is far from stupid.
4: No, it's very well done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was a, it would almost seem like a childish idea, you know, and when I say childish, like you know, something like, Yeah, you know, that would be cool, bring the past, you know, X Men back. You know, sounds like something, you know, you and your twelve year old friends are sitting around talking about. But it is so wonderfully executed. I, I and, love it. I love it. And you've got this dream team of uh, Binda Simonin and Wade von Grabadger working on this thing, and it is a beautiful book as well as a well written book.
2: And it's so true to how those old X Men stories read the way these guys are reacting to the unbelievable situation they're thrown in. It's kind of cool to watch Scott. This whole book was, you know, Scott uh, staring into his own belly button.
4: Yeah, no. And, and and compellingly. So, and I like how, um, you know, they show, you know, current day Scott, you know, with his, uh, you know, thousand mile stare sitting on a, on a, on a, on a cliff. And they do the same thing with past Scott. You know, I mean, I just, I love the parallels that you're getting to see, but yet be able to see the difference between these guys.
3: You know, given the volume of Marvel Now books, I've really hesitated to jump on automatically into, you know, into these titles. I want to give them a couple of issues before I really subscribe to them through my comic shop. Um, but this is the first one. This is the first one that I have actually, you know, I feel confident enough about the quality of this book that I know it'll continue. Yeah. Uh, and And being bi weekly doesn 't hurt now i 'm not saying that I want all Marvel books bi weekly because that would kill my book my uh my Your wallet. wallet. yeah but um you know i I feel like it is doing nothing but helping this book
4: yeah No, this book is fantastic mm-hmm.
3: love it love Absolutely. it Let's, and I know uh, Stuart amonin uh, I think David Marquez is coming in to do the art on the second arc uh-huh and then you know, they're gonna have alternating artists kind of like amazing spider-man or sure. a superior spider-man which makes sense to get the book out on time absolutely
2: I slanted
3: <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I, great book I, I I really love this title now Tim mm-hmm. timmy I jumped off of
4: Thor God of thunder after issue two mm-hmm. tell me what I missed in issue three
0: you're a
2: failure in life
3: I, oh. I I, I don't disagree, but tell me how. Oh, I um, I actually knocked cool. off this book too, but I saw you, it was on your list, and so I bought it specifically because you were buying it, Tim. I bought it I for so you.
2: Jazzed. I'm so jazzed by this book. I don't know how you guys don't like this book.
3: Oh, here's the thing. So I read issue three. I think issue three is fantastic. I think they, it is a gorgeous book. The art on this book is great. I, but I, you know, I have. I, I'm going to echo the same feelings I had about issue two. It's not the type of Thor book I want right now. I want a superhero Thor book, not a fantasy Thor book. Um, you know, so no matter how good it is, I, I feel like it's one I'd just rather read and trade. But Tim, I know you differ. So
2: talk to me. I, I love the fantasy Thor books. I I I kind of like it better than superhero Thor. And to be honest, it, this. It kind of reminds me of some of the Walt Simonson stories. This book, it just it's so good. Just the this whole this whole book is setting up the enormity of why has nobody noticed that you know all these gods are just dying, are getting murdered, and just the you know Thor going through page after page of how did I not see this happen? Why does nobody care? Like the one where he's he, he stand. the it's the, the kind of two page spread. Where he's mm-hmm. like, I knew that one. <laughs> we passed several hundred years ago, and we kind of waved at each other.
3: Yeah, I thought and that was funny. He's, he's like, I dead. just saw him a hundred years ago.
2: Yeah,
3: <laughs> you know the, the, the way the gods talk is very different. You know when the, you know Thor goes to see, I guess like um, he goes to what do you, what do they call that main like the the, 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 the heaven of the gods, essentially
2: basically they, they don't really name it i don't think uh, the maybe not but he's going to see like lords. the main
3: yeah the lords yeah. or whatever and they're like Built oh there's a the 200 lords. year waiting list you know that kind of
2: thing omnipotent city <sighs> nexus of all the gods is what it's called yeah and, and the, i love how i love how the uh, the librarian's like i he's just giving him so much crap i never expected to see you at a library you don't look like the type to read much <laughs> so good Oh God! This is such a good book. Uh, yeah, maybe.
3: and here's the thing. I know I, I agree with your opinion on the quality. I think it's a quality book. It's just not. It's just not the Thor book I'm looking for.
2: You know, uh, I, I I can understand that, but I I guess I'm just completely 180. This is the Thor book I want. After After Journey Into Mystery with Loki, I, I I'm just glad to have Thor back.
3: Yeah, now I gotta say I am looking forward to Young Avengers, you know, because I am missing, I am missing the Young Loki character, even though he will be different. I am missing the character, um, you know, and yeah, the thing about Thor is that, you know, for a while Thor was the only place you could get Thor was in the Thor book. Now you can get Thor pretty much in any Marvel book. Yeah, so. but it's
2: sort of dopey jock Thor in a lot of the Avengers books because it's kind of dopey jock Thor in the Avengers movie. This is different. This is, man. I'm just. I love this book. I'm very happy that Jason Aaron is writing this book, The Arts Killer, and uh, maybe it's just because I've got just a hankering for this because of what Matt Fraction did to my Thor. I'm so happy. Well,
3: if you keep buying it on episodes where you, you know, and it happens to be on an episode that you join us, I will buy the damn Thor book with you. So we you can chat to, about it.
2: You don't have to do me any favors. I'll just soliloquy about the thing. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> no, he he, talk, he doesn't Andrew need your pity head. purchase, Paul. Yeah. Uh, whatever. <laughs> fine. I'll keep my $4. <laughs>
3: you can shove it. You can do it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Tim mentioned Journey into Mystery. God, and with issue 646, Journey into Mystery is now a book featuring the Lady Sif. Uh, we talked a little bit about it last month. Aaron loved it. I was a little more lukewarm on it. But uh what do you guys think of issue six forty seven? I love it. That's it. Just I love it.
4: <laughs> Not gonna tell us why. I uh number one, the book is beautiful. It is it is just uh fantastically drawn by Valerio Shitty. Um <laughs> And and I always feel bad when I pronounce her name but uh you know uh it uh it's just beautifully drawn. I I I think the the artwork is absolutely appropriate uh to the story. Um you know as we discussed in when we reviewed issue 1 Sif has gone and learned the berserker's rage. And you know, she because she feels like, you know, Asgard's best days are behind them that people have forgotten what makes Asgard great. Uh, you know, and she really wants to make Asgard, you know, beautiful again. There's this whole dialogue in the book where she talks about how, you know, Asgard just keeps falling and falling and falling, and and how you know nobody really thinks twice about you know going and up against the gates of Asgard. You know it's just a thing they do. It's not it's not even a giant conquest for them anymore. The book is expertly written. Uh, I love there is this wonderful conversation between two cleaning women in the Hall of Heroes, and you know they've just put the the Hall of Heroes back together, and, and the conversation goes. Well, this new stone is coming up a treat. Local, do you think? No idea, me. Could be made of corn, for all I know. It's nice, though, for as long as it lasts. They never think that lot, because there's always someone to step in and build them a shiny new Asgard. But do they consult us? No, it's true. Durability, ease of cleaning. They never ask, do they? It's true what you say. Like a flock of magpies. Ooh, shiny Asgard. y'all oh, so pretty. But the fingerprints... I I love this dialogue and they start, you know, bad mouthing uh, uh, the the different gods and, you know, talking about like Balder and 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 such and selfish, the whole lot of them. You know what I heard? And then Sif steps up behind them. No, no. Tell me, what have you heard? And then she proceeds to bounce them out of the hall. Um, I love it. I love it. I mean, Sif is really turned into and let's just call it what it is. Sif is a dick. (laughs) and it's just very entertaining to watch uh i'm digging this book anybody i
3: I, I, i'm i'm liking it i'm still not as as excited about it as you are and now that i know tim's reading it maybe i'll uh maybe i will comfortably jump off (laughs) tim what'd you think of it
2: okay so let's start with the art the art on this book is 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 really strong it's a it's a very it's a expertly drawn book by somebody whose name is shitty. <laughs> and there are good moments in the writing. I just, I don't know where the story's going. The story is, is now going to be Sif in basically murder world, I think. And it's kind of, I don't know. Like, I'm not really digging the whole reveal at the end. I'm this big orange thing that you get to murderize next issue. Is basically what I got. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I need I think I'm going to be on board for next issue, but I need a little more. I think they need to ramp it up a little bit as far as to where, where they're going with this. And that's fine because they've only had two issues. So I, I understand they haven't gotten to the, the main point yet. So
3: so, I, you, so you're sticking on for another issue.
2: I'm sticking on for at least one more issue.
3: It's a it's a two ninety nine book, right, Aaron? Correct. I'm debating. I will debate.
2: Again, yeah, I don't good, need your not... pity
3: purchase, Paul. Again, yeah, you're... buy it. Don't buy it. I don't care. I always read Sif out. <laughs> this is the
0: week of pity purchases, apparently.
3: Because <laughs> yes. I read *The Red Hood and the Outlaws* for Wayne because Wayne bought it.
0: I you know, expected maybe... it to possibly be bad. I only re- I only bought it because of *Death of the Family*. Yeah.
2: I'll tell you one book. Here's what we're gonna do, Paul. Aaron's yes. gonna buy Thor. I'm gonna buy Journey into Mystery, and you are officially out of the group. That's whoa, whoa, whoa. what it is. I'm buying Thor. How did that happen? Shut up and buy Thor. <laughs> buy your Journey into Mystery. Now this is a bully purchasing. Yeah, <laughs> I like that.
0: If you don't, he'll start a Twitter Twitter war with you. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. Twitter war. Uh, Add Aaron Head a real c-word until Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Tim will say. <laughs> C-word until Sunday. <laughs> wow. That's the funny thing. Out of all of us, the one with anger is the one that is unable to say the word.
2: So. I'm not unable to. You just need to
0: not Unwilling to
2: willy-nilly throw it about like that. It is a nuclear warhead of a word. It is. Yeah.
0: It's, it it's is when person. you're using it yourself, but when you're quoting someone else, I have no problem using it in a quote.
3: Uh, I think it, it is my favorite cuss word because it is like the only one that offends anymore. <laughs> so, Paul, you're absolutely comfortable saying that Wayne's a cunt. Yes, absolutely. I, I say it frequently. <laughs> in fact, it is the first and last thing I say every day. <laughs> <laughs> wake up in the morning, Wayne is a cunt. Go to bed at night. Wow,
0: because I wake up in the morning and say, Paul is a wonderful person.
2: Aww. No, you don't.
0: <laughs> no, I
2: don't. So, so, Paul, who did you buy Indestructible Hulk for?
0: for myself
3: oh uh, uh. so Hulk number two came out this week i, I bought it for mark wade because i thought he would get pissed at me on twitter um <laughs> <laughs> no so mark wade leniel francis you we talked about the first issue about how uh, everyone loved the book who read it um i was a little eh, about the art um with issue two i've kind of gotten over my issues with the art about time i know but what do you guys think of indestructible hulk number two
0: I love this book so much. I I have never seen this Banner before, and I, I am excited. I like buying a Hulk book.
4: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I dug the uh, conversation between Banner and, and Stark, and the fight scene was a lot of fun. Um, I dug it. I like where this book is going.
0: I love just Stark's comments throughout this entire book. When he finds Banner laughing, and he's like, Make him humorless again this minute. And just the <laughs> conversations he's having about, uh, you know, you've got, he's got to be your puppet. He's either a genius or a puppet. Make up your mind. Like the dialogue is so good in this book. Yeah.
3: yeah. No, it's good stuff. I love it. What I think is interesting is, you know, the, Mark Wade has gone on record saying, Marvel basically pulled me into an office and said, do for Hulk what you did for Daredevil. And you know what? it It reads exactly like that. Um you know, Bruce Banner, you know, after years of basically spiralling downhill, he's decided, you know what, I'm gonna change my life. Yeah. And that's essentially what Matt Mark did. You know what, I'm gonna change my life. Like one night they just wake up, or one morning they wake up and like, I'm just gonna be better now. I'm just gonna be happy now. And that's essentially what this book is. You know, Bruce Banner has woken up and he's like, You know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna be happy now. Um but you know, what I like about this issue, more than even issue one, is that, you know, yeah, he's like, I'm just gonna change my life but I still got this animosity with Tony Stark, and I want the Hulk to beat the shit out of him.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that was great.
3: Well, and I love that in issue three,
4: giant robot. I, uh, I, I I'm excited.
0: Yeah, and at first when I saw some of the early art, I wasn't sure about this whole suit that Hulk was wearing in in, in some of the issues. Mm-hmm. But I had no problem with it in this, you know, here. I'm still not sold on it, and I know the armor is for Banner for when he turns back into Banner so
3: that he's still protected. Right. But when he is Hulk, I think the armor looks weird. Uh, I'm not sold on the the look of it on his Hulk body.
0: I like, though, that it's designed to – basically it's designed to stretch and you know and condense back.
3: Yeah, it's one of those things you know. where
0: if Banner was really that smart, he should have come up with something other than purple pants a long time ago.
3: Yeah, but you know, there's also unstable molecules in the Marvel universe. You know, Reed Richards has already invented a stretchy material. Can't that have already? Can he have something like that instead of essentially like a whole bunch of trash cans taped to his body?
4: Yeah, Banner doesn't want uh, Reed Richards pity pants. <laughs>
1: you <know>? That's right.
4: <laughs> He's comfortable letting it all just hang out there. You know, Hulk's not Hulk, not shy. <laughs>
0: My favorite scene of the entire issue is Tony looking in a mirror and saying, you're still rich. Yeah, his little self-affirmation. (laughs) Yeah.
4: No, I I, I think this is a a very strong book, very much the Hulk book I was looking for, unlike Thunderbolts. Which hey, after of issue Hulk
3: not shy, there was a, a, a masturbating Rolk in this issue. Yeah, there was a masturbating Rolk. Seriously,
0: in this issue. I am so glad I'm not buying this book.
3: You know, no, it just uh, looked like it. It wasn't it, really. His hand's just there. It looks like he is taking some
4: guys to task and creeping them out by just grabbing a big old handful of himself and shucking corn. Uh, he is. Uh, it is. It is a disturbing scene, uh, whether intended or not. I found it rather disturbing. <laughs> Um, I mean, so can you just stupid imagine stupid. how terrifying that would be?
3: Like, you're just sitting at a table and you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen when this thing goes off? <laughs> Are we right. all going to die? Yeah, that, that is how your new superpower
4: comes. You know, he gets a facial from uh, Rolk, and then, you know, his gamma irradiated spunk, you know, turns him into Schmegma Man,
3: something The like toxic that. Avenger. <laughs> there you go. Um, the artwork on this book is horrible. Yeah, Steve Dillon's not the right artist for this book. Um, there
4: is a scene where a drunk falls out of the bar, and he, he is the tidiest drunk laying on the on the sidewalk that you've ever seen. And He's laying right in front of the door, and people are having to step on, over him to exit. But, I mean, he is just – it's like he's been arranged on the sidewalk.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean not just that. All the bullet wounds just look like essentially like someone – Spilled ketchup on themselves. Yeah. Like, actual bullet wounds. And, you know, this is Steve Dillon. He used to do Preacher. Yep. And I know Preacher had glory art, and he did a damn good job there. But here it's just not working. Yeah, no, it's not. I I, I, I am off.
4: I was I was really kind of looking forward to this book, but uh, I, am, I am off. It, it, I did not care for any page in this entire book.
3: And I like Daniel Way, and yeah. I like Steve Dillon, but yeah. this book is just not working. You know, Daniel Way is the guy who made Deadpool, you know, this household name with you know his title and um you know unfortunately even deadpool's poorly written in this book actually the one scene in the book that i enjoyed was deadpool's hallucination yes <laughs> but uh other than that the book is just not interesting not exciting there's not really anything to recommend in it and i'm sorry to say yeah like you i am off of this book yeah i'm out, out. but i gotta tell you
4: a book that I am loving, continue to love, have loved since issue one, and here we are on the 21st issue of Daredevil. I, th- this thing is fantastic.
3: You know, this is unintentionally turned into a Mark Wade episode of Funny Books. How did this happen? Yeah. We have Mark Waid is awesome. Mark Wade, Mark awesome. <laughs> Mark Wade know, print books and one Mark Waid uh, digital book. We're going to lose our sponsorship from Larry's Comics. Oh,
2: no. What will we do without that 50 cents?
4: (laughs) But, you know, this this issue uh, draw, you know, at the end of uh, in this issue, um, we wrap up the storyline of of of, uh, how Daredevil has been screwed with, you know, his his wife appearing uh, in his apartment. And then returning mysteriously to the asylum, you know, things were just appearing and disappearing. Uh, his father's skull and his desk drawer at, uh, at, the, at his law office, you know, Foggy has, you know, disavowed, uh, you know, broken off his relationship with Matt. And so in, in this issue, all of that wraps up and is explained, not explained necessarily who was behind it other than the guys who were who were, you know, the tools of the other. But uh, I it was really nicely wrapped up and leads us into a new story arc that I'm very interested in.
0: Yeah, I did not see the last half of this book coming at all. I after, you know, after he went to such effort to try to repair his life. Yeah, I expected Foggy to welcome him back with open arms. Yeah. And that that would just be it. And that's not exactly what happened here. No, and, and I
4: think it's very realistic the fight that uh, Matt and Foggy have towards the end of the book, and I think that the that the continuation of that split is uh, very organic and, and is a story I want to see told.
3: Yeah, it's it's the, it's because they've had their fallouts before, but this one felt genuine, genuine, exactly.
4: Yeah. the uh, The piece at the end where Matt sends a letter to his wife, you know, who's in the asylum. And and it's just this very heartfelt letter, him explaining what happened and that, you know, uh, that it was real, that she was with him, you know, that that wasn't a hallucination. It is just heartbreaking that she doesn't get the letter.
0: Yeah. And that that's not the only one, that there's right. a whole folder full of letters from him that she's never seen. Right. And to top it all off, leading into the next storyline, seeing this <laughs> this cameo. Yeah. Superior I, Spider.
3: Yeah, the uh, the Superior Spider Man makes a cameo at the end of this issue,
4: and, and it's hysterical because you know she
3: the uh, the uh, assistant
4: district attorney you know goes to to find help because no one in the office. You know, believes her, you know, because she used to date Matt, you know, that, that Matt might be a dangerous daredevil. So she goes and talks to Spider Man, not realizing that the, the, this is Otto Octavius Spider Man as opposed to Peter Parker Spider Man. And she says, you know, uh, but you know, either way, he, he has to be dealt with. You get that right? And he says, "Well, I understand what you're asking me to do. Yes, I will find Daredevil, and I will crush him." <laughs> and Her response is, "Thanks. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I will crush him?" And he's you know he's upside down hanging from, from the uh, fire escape, and you know he's got he's even got that you know Darth Vader fist in the air.
5: I will
0: crush him. Love it. <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah i'm definitely looking forward to next issue yeah fun. You, you know what the, the, the last p- crossover with spider-man i didn't think was that great this one i expect to be incredible yeah it wasn't bad It just uh the last one i guess, i guess if i remember correctly our complaints on the last one were that it didn't wrap up the story like we wanted it to yeah
3: yeah we kind of expected well there was two crossovers right there were there was the Punisher one and then there was the um the one with the black cat. That one we enjoyed. The one with the black cat. Mhm. Yes. Yeah, these books yeah, this will be the third crossover with Spider-Man. Well, it's not really a crossover. I guess it's just a guest starring appearance, but yes. a team-up if you will. Yeah. But no, great issue, always a great book. Mark Wade and Chris Somni are like a dream team, really. Yeah, it's good stuff. So good stuff. Since, since we're on Mark Wade nuts today, <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about um, Mark Wade's uh, digital free free digital book from Throwback Studios. Insufferable has now been released to Comixology as a paid comic book. Um, now the paid comic books works a little differently um, than the di- than um, the free version that you get on markwade.com um, and includes extras. Uh, now I know Aaron. You had not previously read Insufferable.
4: I had read the first couple of pages of the first issue, but really disliked the way uh, Thrillbent worked with my iPad. Um, it was just not—it was not very organic and, and didn't flow very well. So I stopped reading it and was thrilled to see that it was available on Comixology this week. So you know, because it just released out this week, and I picked up the first three
3: issues. So you know, Insufferable is basically the story of. A superhero and his son, and unfortunately, his son is a bit of a dick. Yeah, a little bit. You know, he—he he, his son has a website where he's where he constantly makes fun of his father. They have many issues from, you know, the way his father raised him, and it's and unfortunately, they come across a case where they have to work together. Yes, and um, I, you know, I, I, I love the hell out of this book. Same here,
4: and you know, I love the hell of it on on two different levels. One, I think the story is strong. You know, this is this is the kind of story, you know, the superhero and his son, uh, you know, the, the, the son's kind of an ingrate and doesn't see the whole picture. And the father's kind of kind of an at a distance kind of guy. He's not, you know, uh Ward Cleaver. He he is not, you know, the warm fuzzy father figure. He's actually kind of a hard nosed, almost Batmanish uh kind of character. Um So it's, it's a story that you would expect to see in a relationship like Batman and Robin. You know, but, okay. it's, but it's a lot edgier than you're actually going to get to see. But beyond that, but beyond the the, the the greatness of the story and the fantastic characters that we've got here, I'm really digging how they're using the digital space.
0: Okay, because I was about to <laughs> ask you guys about that because I haven't read this through the Comixology app. Uh-huh. I've read it through the website, through the PDFs. Right. And it was just like that, uh, that zombie story that he told. Yeah. As you read the PDFs. You'll have one page will have like one panel and then the next page will have two panels. And it's a lot of making this it, – it does an incredible job technology-wise of making a PDF look like a motion comic. And yeah. that got me thinking, what does that do with the, the digital version of comicology? Yeah,
4: it, it's exactly in that trend. I mean like there's, there's this whole interchange where uh, – uh, between Galahad and Nocturnus and – You know the the the, when you load the page. Let me go back to the beginning of the page. This is one page. It opens up, and there is a single panel of Galahad with with his head in his hand, and then there is a a on the far right hand side of the page with a panel separating them is Nocturnus. So of course this is you know signifying the divide between father and son right and so you've got this this blank panel between them and when you advance the panel fills in with Nocturnus extending his hand and you advance one more time because Galahad hasn't moved and a Nocturnus closes his eyes saying this isn't going to happen i mean it's it's a and then you, know, you you go another one and he 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 lifts his hand up from having extended it and is kind of just you know looking at his hand and you know you've got this whole action that's taking taking place on one page that's probably telling, uh, uh, you know, two pages maybe two and a half pages worth of story and character right there. I mean, it is
3: such a fantastic use of the space. Yeah, it's it's very much like uh, the uh, the faux animation that you got from like the Marvel Infinite comics. Yes and it works much which, better than the PDFs on the
4: site itself which of course Mark Wade was was responsible for a great deal of those infinite comics and in, not just in the story but in the design of them yeah i mean you know? not to
3: spark a debate here you know but i don't think anyone writes digital comics the same way mark wade does. no not at all i mean he writes for the space mm-hmm. and i mean it's there
4: is there's a huge difference. And I know you guys aren't reading the book, but you know, Batwoman, for instance, is a a book that is designed for print that I pick up digitally. And it it is probably the least effective monthly comic that I read in the digital format because there is no consideration paid towards how it's going to look digitally because of the way the panels work. Whereas, you know, Mark Wade in this book is writing for the digital space, and he is employing all of the strengths of the digital space. And he even talks about that in some of the commentary in these books that you get in the comicsology. You know, he talks about the the multiple actions on the same on the same page or same panel. Uh, it's it's really fantastic. I, yeah. I, I
0: thoroughly enjoy it. I've and seen the, up to about ten different pages that would essentially be one page in a comic book. Yeah, because mm-hmm. of things that pop on the screen here or there, changing focus. Where it's and this is just looking through the PDF, you know. Whereas you're flipping through, oh, this is a 40 page PDF that's actually only like six pages of story.
4: Well, there's this great page where uh, Galahad gets knocked into a tank full of piranhas, and so you see him drop into the tank, right? And he's he's you know focused up in the foreground, and in the background you can see some blurred shapes, and then he goes out of focus, and then focusing off into the background, you see this you know giant school of piranhas. Coming towards him, and then you advance one more time, and you get a little uh, uh, detail on one of the piranhas, and then it's populated with detail of like a dozen other piranhas.
3: I mean, and that's all happening on the same page. It's it. fantastic. I love it. Yeah, absolutely recommend the first. The first issue is ninety nine cents, and when I say issue, it's seventy seven of these slides it's not 77 comic pages yeah it's probably Um, more like 30 comic pages yeah and subsequent issues are a buck 99 even though you can get them for free well worth the money if you enjoy reading digital comics um on your ipad or uh, other tablet this format is much more convenient for reading Uh, it than the pdf
0: format i will say i'm very anti-reading comics in pdf form because it just I have a hard time doing it it bothers me. I don't get the the guided view or any of the you know any of the things that really the app gives you. Yeah. These are the exceptions. I've yeah. been reading these since the beginning and these are PDFs designed to be read online and all of my issues with PDF reading for comic books don't have any of them on this. These PDFs work beautifully if you just want the free ones. Yeah.
3: yeah. Good stuff. So, so next week is not only Christmas very light comic week. We, it's a, a Christmas miracle that we won't be spending $50 at the comic shop next week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Only four oh, books next week. Amazing God. Spider-Man, Avenging Spider-Man, Justice League, and Aquaman. Um, four very big titles. Um, now, there are some from other publishers, but even then, most publishers don't have actual books next week, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, it, It's kind of like the bi-week of a couple of years ago when they did Indie Comic Book Week. Yep. But, uh, you know, we will definitely be back next week to talk about some of these big titles, especially Amazing Spider-Man 700. Yeah, Dan Claus is
4: coming down your chimney with Amazing Spider-Man number
1: 700.
4: Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. Dan Claus, Slotta Claus. Be ready. They've said this one will break the Internet. They say that about almost every issue, but this one one they
3: really beat it on. (laughs) Well, if the Internet breaks, then you won't be listening to this podcast.
4: Well, and, and hey, you know, the Mayans were wrong. We're all still here. Yeah. Stupid Mayans.
2: Yeah, well,
4: I kind of There's, always,
2: there's always next apocalypse.
4: Yeah. I'm sure something will happen next year. No, we're done with apocalypses now. No more, Are, no more apocalypses.
3: Well, yeah, I don't think anyone predicted anything after 2013. Yeah, because we were all going to be dead. Yeah.
0: So, so now you we're you just going to
3: have to look to movies for our apocaly, apocalypti. Uh, apocalypse.
0: <laughs> you see, this is what happens. We quit planning end of show transitions. Because we didn't think we'd have another show. And now we hear, we're we here recording and we have no idea how to end this episode. Out. We were all supposed to be dead. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more
4: information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.
5: Is not a monkey, but still, they'll eat your face off. <laughs> well, your face is so tasty. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if God And didn't after mean... a couple monkey shoulders. <laughs> That's right. man. That's right.
4: If God didn't mean for the monkey to eat your face, he wouldn't have made it so
5: tasty. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, we used to go um, Good to point. the Fort Worth Zoo quite a bit. And uh, for a long time, the thing that would, would really freak <laughs> my son out uh uh-huh. was uh was the monkey house especially the chimps uh huh i the no, way don't you have a story about the monkey house what are you saying <laughs> i seem to recall you have some kind I just, of the humorous la- anecdote the last time i was at the zoo <laughs> okay just just so everybody knows as soon as i mentioned the zoo like these guys like break out giggling like 6 year old girls I'm, so tell me about this
4: the last time i was at the zoo <laughs> the you know there's the gorillas, right, and, there are yeah and, and and you know people are always trying to get some kind of reaction out of the gorillas or something like that, and there is <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, there is well and our friend uh Jamie, who we've talked about a couple of times on the show, sure, the last time he had been. <laughs> The gorilla that, that was in view was just wildly masturbating. I mean, just, you know, and looking with... Wildly? Con- wildly. And just looking with contempt at his audience. <laughs> so, you know... With abandon. Yeah, I mean, just just, you know... Going
5: at it, all right. You know, Seems and, reasonable. Hey, yay for him! Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You what do, else am I going to do with my right, day, folks? You can do it in front of an audience. That's right. Then well, more power to
4: you. He doesn't have cable TV,
1: you know, so <laughs>
4: <laughs> but uh, so I, I'm going there, and this is in my mind as like, oh God, you know what 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 are the apes going to show us today? <laughs>
5: what won't they show you?
4: And it's important to note that I have the weakest stomach on the planet.
5: He, does. Uh, I, I,
4: he I, does. I I do. I, I, I just about anything will, will cause me to hurl. And the ape <laughs> is sitting right up in the window, you know. And so I mean he is he is as close to me as Gary is. And he has got his his finger so far up his <laughs> nose
5: <laughs>
4: and he pulls something down that <laughs> That, I mean, it looks like a strawberry. I mean, it's just, it is just—it is nasty. And so I'm like, oh my god, that is nasty. And he's—he's <laughs> he's contemplating it. He's looking at it, and I'm like, oh god, oh god. And I mean, it goes right up into his mouth,
2: and I'm just. <laughs> blah, blah,
5: blah. <laughs> Did you hurl? I did right there.
4: At
1: right. The World War II.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Never go in the monkey house. <laughs> Never, ever. This is how I knew. I knew woo, Aaron did something one day to you know. I mean, he did something, and I was just. Um, Going to get back at him, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I forget what he did. He made some kind of smart ass comment on an email or something like that. And I was just going to get Which back at him. Which is unlike me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not one to do that. So Never. I just send him, I reply to his email with just a link to one of those shock sites. Okay? Tub Girl, I think, is what the one at that time. And after I sent it, I just felt so guilty because I could just see Aaron just throwing up all over his ass.
1: <laughs> and so I immediately
5: called him. I said, Don't open that link. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't open it. Don't do I'm that. Like, are you
4: serious? Yeah, don't, 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 don't. do just that. Just
5: delete it. Just Don't open it. <laughs> don't look at that. Because <laughs> I could just see him just losing this it. This ends badly. Don't do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. I didn't see. Did you ever watch, like,. I've never watched like the two girls one cup thing. No,
4: I can't do this. I never things. did that. I In mean, fact, I've seen the, I've seen the reactions enough.
5: enough of where I'm just like, I don't.
4: It was bad enough for me to listen to Kevin Smith describe it oh, on right. his podcast yeah. that I had to turn him off talking about oh, it.
5: Oh right, right.
4: Because it was it was making me sick. <laughs> it was making me sick.
5: I just couldn't do it. I don't have a lot of desire to watch that one. Yeah. Right. Right. There's a lot of crap out there. You know, that's just yeah, it's nasty. Yeah. Shock sites. That's, what it's called. that's right. Shock sites. Yeah. 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 I don't care for that. Because they want to shock you. Yeah. Ideolo- Ideology of madness is pretty much a shock, shock site. As, as much shocking as, as you can handle. I mean, it's, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's right up there. Whoa. Well, when when, when Batman, I saw the whoa. Christ Jedi, or Jedi yeah, 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 yeah. Christ. Jedi <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Christ.
1: Yeah.
5: I was like, really? <laughs> well, I am really Did you interested? listen to the episode? I have not yet. Okay. No. So the
4: premise there is how much cooler would the Gospels be If Jesus were a Jedi. Mm -hmm. So instead of, you know, okay, there's that whole bit in the gospel where Jesus just loses his shit at the temple. Right. And starts flipping stuff. Mother Bucker. Right. (laughs) Flipping tables. Really. Right.
5: Then you lost your. You just lost your mother Russia, I think is what he said. That's right. Mother Russia.
4: (laughs) But just imagine if he had a lightsaber in that scene you know <laughs> you know he
5: probably thought about it yeah. he probably was like you know what yeah. I could totally do the lightsaber yeah. thing but they wouldn't get the reference and be all, yeah, like, like awkward on them all. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be all like what's that light thing and you'd be like oh, it's like oh, never mind yeah. Star you know, Wars it's his, Lucas his miracles force powers come on <laughs> come on I,
2: I really think this whole
4: uh, I think we've, we we need to rebrand the gospels you know for a new hip 21st century audience Jedi Christ okay I like it. Might
5: have to do a little rewriting. (laughs)